Hello, friend, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I bring a guest on with the intention of helping you upgrade your confidence in work and in love. I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. This is the only CBD company I've come to fully trust with my wellness, and I'm so excited to share with you one of their brand new products, Harmony. That's H-A-R-M-O-N-I. Harmony is a doctor-formulated blend to ease PMS symptoms. I was a part of the beta testing for this line, and wow, it has been a game changer. So Harmony is a CBD product that actually offers that PMS relief. And if you're anything like me, PMS comes with cramps and cravings and kind of feeling like a bloated roly-poly, just rolling around. But since I started taking these little gummies each month, my symptoms have lessened and I feel more like myself no matter where I'm at in my cycle. This combination of CBD, dandelion root, B6, and magnesium make this little gummy so worth it. And their raspberry lemonade flavor seriously stops my sweet tooth from taking over. And we all know I have a sweet tooth. So the co-founder, Angie Lee, developed this product after struggling through her own journey with intense PMS. And I'm so excited to share them with you now. As you may know, our friends over at Soul CBD have given us a discount code for 15% off your order. Can't suggest it enough. Head on over to ashleystall.com. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash soul, S-O-U-L, to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use your code U-Turn at checkout. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Now let's get into this week's episode. The more you talk about money with your partner, the happier you are. So the number one thing I'd say is talk about it. Break the, you know, sort of the wheel on women don't talk about money. Tell them, you know what, we're now that we're hopefully on the other side of the pandemic, we're all getting together for a glass of wine next Tuesday. And I would really love to talk about how y'all are investing, you know, or how you got that raise. So that's number one. Number one, talk about it. U-Turn friends, it would not be right of me to keep hosting all these shows without doing an episode on money, much beyond your money mindset, but actually into the tactics and reflections that you can start having towards the end of the year to really make sure that you're financially well and taking care of yourself. And that's why I wanted to bring Sally Krawcheck onto the show. She's CEO of Elvest, which is a financial platform built by women for women. And obviously that makes her quite an expert on all things financial wellness. So we want to talk about how to kind of do an end of year tune up on your financial wellness, the confidence gap, um, and, and just so much more, especially with the COVID pandemic, what the trends are. So without further ado, Sally, thank you. For- hey, hey. <laughs> how are you? I'm so excited to have you on here. And thank I feel you. like you know, this topic is like the scary Mm -hmm. monster under the bed for so many people. Yep. Yep. That's right. That's right. That's because that's because our society has sent us messages since childhood 
that money is choose your poison. Um, it's a tacky topic that we shouldn't talk about. Um, it's scary. It's hard. Um, we, you know, it's our fault. We spend too much. We buy too many shoes. We drink too many lattes. We have too many facials. If you could only get yourself just under control with all those friggin' lattes you're buying, you would be fine, but you just can't, can you? But don't pay attention to the gender pay gap. We're not going to talk about that at all. It's your fault. So no wonder women approach money with um, negative emotions as opposed to men who approach money with positive emotions. Mm, I love what you're sharing. And I, I know that this is more of a mindset thing, but what would be your overarching message to those of us listening? And I probably need it just as much as anyone else where in those little moments, we trade our financial well-being and our future for that little convenience of that $70 Uber, because we don't want to take the subway or that, you know, $10 latte to bougie wellness place. Like what is your feedback? Because I do know that it's so important to live well and to take care of yourself earning and working, but there's that balance. So, you know, you have an overall um, piece of feedback on that or an overall sense for anyone based on if they're in their early thirties, perhaps where you think Mm -hmm. they should be not that we're a show of shoulds, but would love your feedback. Well, look, I, I think it's sitting down um, and having a good conversation with yourself about what is important to you, what gives you joy, um, what is, what's your splurge? And it's perfectly okay if your splurge is that latte or your splurge are those gel manicures or, you know, taking the weekend vacations to upstate or, or whatever they are. But sitting down and saying, this is what matters to me. This is where I want to. You know what doesn't matter to me as much? All the streaming services don't matter to me as much. You know what else doesn't matter to me as much? Going out for drinks with people I don't really like that much. That doesn't matter as much. What You know what else doesn't matter? I mean, you know, go go through and say, the, you know, sit back. What do you have? How much money do you have? How much money is coming in? Sit down. What's going out? All right. Now we know, are you in good shape or not good shape? All right. Well, then if you're not in good shape and more is going out than is coming in, then sit back and have that conversation for what you want to keep and and what, you know, what is okay to get rid of. It can be really freeing to do that. And then, you know, in that process, making sure that you're taking care of you and particularly future you and particularly, you know, great aunt or grandma you um, by investing um, in the, in the markets, um, and not, I didn't say trading, I said investing, um, so that you can build the wealth that the guys have been building all along and that have left us with fewer options and opportunities than they have. Mm. Yeah. There's so much to the pay gap. I mean, I also think that, you know, according to the research, men are not afraid to ask for more money. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting that, Sometimes I hear, and, I, and this is very controversial for me to say, but sometimes I hear a lack of personal responsibility amongst women where mm. they just talk about the pay gap like it happened, and yet they're not negotiating. They're not asking for more money in the way that their male counterparts are. And that makes sense. If John Doe is going to ask for an extra 20K a year and you know Ashley isn't, that's kind of yeah. on Ashley. So, well, so- well, again, though, we've been socialized and trained to be givers, not askers. Yes. You know, we, we are we are the ones who, you know, make things right, smooth things over, 
do the housework at home, do the housework at work. And so we've been sort of taught, you know, don't cause the waves. You are the the one who absorbs the stress, doesn't create the stress. Um, and so it's, you know, a lifetime of that, you, you sort of internalize it. And then there are enough women who've gotten the, oh, you don't need a raise or, you know, getting a negative reaction when they do it. Because some people, men, but women too, can be, um, you know, really threatened by a woman who negotiates the yeah. way a man does. And so, you know, you got, yes, you got to get in there and do it. Yes, it still bothers me to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, my whole career is, has been in money. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, it's not your fault, but you got to, but you still got to go in and try to fix it. Yeah. It's like, maybe it's not our fault, but it is our responsibility to do something. It's like that distinction. Um, but then what I would say is the um, best career advice women aren't getting is to then invest some of that money, even if you don't close your your gender pay gap, that women today keep the majority of their money in cash. Men invest more of theirs. And that gender investing gap cost women, cost your listeners hundreds of thousands, for some women millions of dollars over yeah. the course of their career. And somehow the barrier that that is put up between us and investing is it's hard. It takes, I believe it's hard. I believe it takes a lot of time. I believe I have to actively be trading. Um, I believe the market, the stock market is riskier than it in fact has been historically. I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is a place where, you know, to get a raise, you you know, it sort of takes two to tango, right? You, you got a boss um, and you have to sort of be good at your job. To yeah. invest, you don't have to be good at your job. <laughs> you, you can just invest in a diversified investment portfolio like we provided Elevest. And historically, the return there was, you know, the, the amount of money people would earn could be more than their gender pay gap. I love that so much. Okay. I have so many questions about money. <laughs> I want to start with asking you about the pandemic because I know that trends have shifted and um, especially in the same way that the 2008 recession impacted the millennial generation and their financial well-being as they were job hunting and getting out of college. I know that the pandemic really left a mark, especially amongst Mm. everyone on Gen Z who came into the workforce and couldn't get a job. Uh, So I'm just curious, like, what are some of the trends in the wake of coronavirus pandemic and, and as it relates to women, especially? Yeah. Well, first of all, again, I would say, you know, you're not alone and it's not your fault. Um, mm-hmm. The pandemic disproportionately negatively impacted women. Yes. Um, and in particular, women of color, you know, greater job losses, fewer promotions. If you, you know, lower productivity, um, if you were able to work from home, your productivity went down while, you know, your male partners went up mm-hmm. and he got promoted at a rate of three to one that you did. And it really demonstrated for us the fragility of the progress we've made. And it also demonstrated as, as um, the sociologist Jessica Calarco said, other countries have social safety nets, the US has women. Mm-hmm. So we all need to be advocating for mandated paid parental leave, man, you know, paid caregiving leave. Um, that's by the way, when that first baby is born, is when he gets the daddy bonus and she gets the mommy tax. And that's where the gender pay gap really starts. So we all want to be really fighting, um, you know, in DC for these not expenses, but investments, because 
if we have those paid leaves, then people don't have to quit to be home with the baby if something's not working out, right? You, you've got the time and you're more likely to come back to work. Yeah. Um, one, one thing I will say is, you know, self-care here, uh, because we recently did an Elevest financial wellness survey and discovered that 60% of millennial women have felt um, emotionally or mentally sick because mm. of worry about money. And half of millennial women have been physically sick. Mm. So you are not alone um, in this. It is not your, again, it's not your fault. You've got to try to, you've got to take care of yourself. And then we all have to fight for, um, you know, more of a social safety net to help our families. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. And I, I know that um, this is not an easy conversation in the mm-hmm. workplace or in general for them to have. So do you have any suggestions on how they can approach a conversation like this in their yeah. world? Yeah. So first of all, um, you know, you, you know, your standing at work, um, you know, if you have built the seniority and the reputation and the presence and the dollars brought in um, to lead this fight, um, you know whether you're there or not, I'm there, right? I wasn't there for years and I'm there. Um, assuming that you haven't, work through your women's ERG group. Um, hopefully you have one of those. And, you know, this group, oh, you know, we're going to have Sally come in and speak. We're going to have Ariana come in and speak. We're going to have Ashley come in and speak. You know, well, that's fantastic. How about we get together and engage with our leadership team about, you know, more flexibility in the workforce, or um, we aren't making public our gender or racial pay gaps. What are they? Um, we are, you know, you know, we we are not recycling. We're not recycling. We're belching, um, you know, smoke into the air. What, whatever those things are that could make the workplace a better place to work and a more, therefore, profitable place to work. And really, as you are working through this, it's a matter of how do we sort of think of ourselves on the same side of the table as the leadership team in that we all want a more successful company. But you don't have a successful company if, you know, just the women have maternity leave and the men don't have paternity leave. And so, you know, it's considered a sissy thing to take it, or maybe they do have it, but men don't take it because it's considered a sissy thing. And so women get knocked off the promotion track or you don't have one and women have to leave. So, you know, engaging with a, we all want this company to be better mm-hmm. and doing it, you know, through your women's group can be an effective um, tactic. I love that. And I also know that it can be very sensitive to make your boss feel kind of ganged up on if you're yeah. making some sort of request in a group or with a team versus alone. Mm. Um, it's too much to ask at, at a junior to mid-level, you know, yeah. and and then when you get to my stage of life, um, you know, shame on me if I'm not advocating for it and trying to to affect change. Once once you get up there, you know, it's it's sort of our responsibility to help pull people up behind us. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I also know that you know, you define financial wellness as the state of money-related well-being that's achieved and maintained when you know what you have, you mm-hmm. know where you're headed, and you feel good about it. Um, can you share a little bit more about this? I know you were saying that money is women's number one source of stress. Mm-hmm. 
and they're maybe perhaps we're not, you know, fully valuing our financial wellness compared to other forms of wellness, you know, our health, things like that. Um, what are, some, what are some ways that we can start, what are some steps we can start taking to mm-hmm. start being more well with money? So first of all, again, you know, we are a little gaslit on this that, you know, so much of the media that is targeted towards us is about other kinds of wellness, whether it's physical wellness, it's emotional wellness, it's spiritual wellness, it's sexual wellness, whatever those things are. But rarely do we talk about financial wellness when, in fact, as you mentioned, Ashley, it's the number one source of stress. So if you don't feel financially well, you actually corrode the other kinds of wellness. On top of that, when the media does talk to us about money, for men, 70 plus percent of the articles written to them about money are positive and growth and investing. And for women, 90% are about scarcity and how hard it is. Save, coupon clip, you know, buy the giant size tie, you know, buy the medium size tie, not the giant size tide. And so we, whereas men see money as abundance, again, we're seeing it as, as scarcity. Um, and so we've, you know, the media hadn't helped us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so financial wellness, as you said, it's not financial independence. I mean, it doesn't have to be financial independence. It really just is having, getting comfortable and confident with what you've got and having a plan for where you want to go. Hey, U-Turners. This episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Organifi. My absolute favorite product has got to be their chocolate and vanilla protein powder, Due to my recent diagnosis of Lyme disease, I've been super careful with what I put in my body, and I just smiled from ear to ear when my doctor read the ingredients on the back of their protein powder and gave it the thumbs up. They are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, vegan, and almost no sugar at all. It is just magical and a miracle that it tastes like anything, let alone something this good. Their chocolate protein powder I love to put in with a nut milk, cashew butter, frozen blueberries, while their vanilla is so good with peanut butter, frozen strawberries, and nut milk in the blender. This smoothie is my absolute fix when I'm hungry anytime or when I have a sweet tooth. It's just so good. I mean, here's the thing. It's tempting to turn to that second or third cup of coffee, but the truth of the matter is that caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root cause of our fatigue, and it turns out that the two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and a lack of nutrition. Organifi's clean, organic superfood blends address these problems head-on with adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help you balance your cortisol levels associated with stress And they make it so much easier with one scoop of protein power to add so many more nutrients into your diet every single day. If you'd like to grab yourself some protein powder or really any of their magical products, just head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And make sure you use the code U-Turn, again, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout for 20% off. Now let's get back to this week's episode. And so that means, you know, I did this, I do this once a year. I sit down and I just inventory what I've got. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, I've got an account at Elevest. How much is that worth? I've got a banking account. What's that? You know, I've got the home. You know, what's that versus the mortgage? Okay, one piece of paper. This is me. This is my 
financial net worth, right? And then from there, well, what, what, where do I want to go from here? Do I want to, and, and LFS, by the way, provides what we call goal-based investing. And so they invest not to outperform the market, but for you to reach your goals. So I want to buy a house. I want to buy a condo. I want to buy it in Charleston, South Carolina, my hometown. Can I do that? LFS can help you figure that out. Um, I want to have a baby. How much money is that going to take? Again, we can help you with that. I want to start a business. How much should I put aside? Can I retire on time? Right. And once you have those goals and you can see that you have enough coming in, not as much going out, you're investing, you're on track on your investment account. It doesn't go up every year, but over time, a diversified investment portfolio increases, call it four to six percent annually. Um, stock market up, call it 9.7% annually since the 1920s. Okay. I, I see, I see what's happening. I see what's happening. I can adjust if I need to. Um, I got a big raise. I got a big promotion. I moved across the country. Um, but sort of keeping up the numbers around it. And it doesn't have to be incredibly complex, multivariate, you know, calculus. Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. And I, I know that, you know, it's because we've been conditioned the way that we have, you know, it's easy to shut down. It's such a huge topic. And I was reading from you, you know, your team saying that nearly half of women feel financial stress has taken a toll on their mental health. Um, 46% of women say they've lost sleep over it. 40% believe it's really hurt their physical health. It makes sense. Um, what can women do right now today after this episode to take mm-hmm. a few steps forward? in actively shifting their bank account, actively shifting their habits. Um, What are some of your favorite ways to get to it? Because I know that there's real estate investing. There's, you know, over at Elevis, you guys have, you know, plenty of tools. Mm -hmm. So I would just love some actionables too. So so a few things. So the first thing I would say, which might surprise you is talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, we as women are communicative social creatures. And we talk to our friends and some to our partners about every topic, but not money, Mm. but not money. Women are more likely to want to and to talk about sex with their friends than money, Mm -hmm. about their own death than money. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, in relationships, um, you do want to be talking about money. Um, It can be a weird topic because it often represents power and frankly, at an extreme you know, there is really no domestic um, abuse without financial abuse, typically first. Mm-hmm. So money can be, you know, a real power dynamic. Now, the good news is that the, those couples who talk about money the most are the most happy. If you're yeah. talking about money every week and it doesn't have to be let's sit down and talk about money, but hey, we're, we're spending a little too much this week. You know, maybe we shouldn't go out to dinner on Saturday night or hey, you know, we should really start saving for that vacation. That kind of, it's part of the flow. Mm-hmm. The, the more you talk about money with your partner, the happier you are. So the number one thing I'd say is talk about it. Break the, you know, sort of the wheel on women don't talk about money. Tell them, you know what, we're now that the, we're hopefully on the other side of the pandemic, we're all getting together for a glass of wine next Tuesday. And I would really love to talk about how y'all are investing. Yeah. You know, or how you got that raise. Um, so that's number one. Number one, talk about it. Number two, make sure you get a budget that works for you. Um, and make it one that you want to follow, 
not that you sort of have to follow. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of ways you can do it. Um, the 50, 20, 30 rule is, you know, get your take home pay, put it in three buckets. 50% goes to needs, bills, groceries, rent, et cetera. 30% goes to fun, um, Netflix, rooftop margaritas, um, feather boa, and 20% goes to future you. So setting her up, name her. Mine is named Esther because that was my grandmother's name. And that's the the stuff that's going to make her okay later in life. It's paying down your credit card debt so she doesn't have to deal with it. It's in putting money in your 401k. It's investing in your Elevest account a little bit out of every paycheck. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how I like to do it. Other folks prefer what's called a one number approach which is you calculate how much money you can afford to spend on flexible cost each week. And then you have to remember that one number on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of the flexible cost meaning things you have to make decisions about and all the rest of it sort of takes care of itself. I love that. And I love that you named her Esther. I feel mm-hmm. like I need to come up with a name, but it sounds yeah. like you're working pretty hard for Esther over there. <laughs> oh, I have to. Here, here's why, Ashley. Yeah. Um, because Esther, I hate to tell you this, Esther's probably going to die um, single. Mm-hmm. And Esther's probably going to die single because 50% of marriages end in divorce, even though I don't think mine will. But I, frankly, actually, I didn't think my first one would either. Mm-hmm. But it did. Mm-hmm. And, it, and you know, I didn't see it coming. Like from 27 miles away, he was having an affair with my friend. I never imagined, or I should say my ex-husband had an affair with my ex-friend. Um, so 50% of marriages end in divorce and we live six to eight years longer than the man in our life. If there's a man in our life. So as a result of it, 80% of us, if you look, you know, go to nursing homes around this country and you'll see there are 80% women. When we outsource the money to our partner, um, and it still is the majority, believe it or not, even amongst millennials and Gen Z's, the majority of women do, which cracks my heart in two. Mm-hmm. When that money comes back to us, 74% of us have a negative surprise. So actually think about this. During what likely is one of the worst weeks of your entire life, yeah. you lose a life partner. He's leaving you for his young gal on the side, right? Or young guy on the side. Yeah. Um, and you're like, where's the money? And you can't find it or you, you know where it is and you go and look 74% are like, Oh, 98% of widows and divorcees, 98% say the number one piece of advice they give to women is not to cede control of the money. Wow. 98%. It's not like, Oh, it's 80%. And the others are like, Hey, you should have, you know, marital relations twice a week in order to keep the marriage. No, 98% of the number one piece of advice was that. It's stunning. And of course, again, most of us like, well, that's not going to happen to me, except it happens to, you know, 90% of us manage our money on our own at some point in our lives, whether we want to or not. So we can't pretend that something that happens to 90% of us is not going to happen to us. Mm, I love this insight so much. And there's so much personal responsibility that we have to take as women to really start owning that now versus having to own it when life throws it our way. And I, I've got friends who, who this happened to, and it's just, it's absolutely heartbreaking. But the other side I'll say of it is 
it's actually, you know, we can sit, sit here and say, and I do all day long, gosh, that's not fair to us, right? All these terrible messages we get around money. And so we get gaslit and then we make decisions from a place of scarcity and nervousness and fear. Well, think about the men. You know, wh- why is it that 74% of us have a negative surprise when it comes back to us? Because he is feeling the pressure of shouldering this on his own. Mm. He is getting messages that masculinity equates with being good with money. Mm. He is getting messages that he should be trading Bitcoin and trading meme stocks and that he should be, you know, when he goes to a cocktail party, his friends are celebrating their money wins. And so he's like, oh man, I actually lost money on, on whatever, but I better not say anything. Yeah. I better be careful. By the way, women are better investors than men. So our, you know, because we tend not to freak out as much and not panic as much, but um, it's, it's not fair too that our society hoist this responsibility upon men. And it's a, a weight that they carry. A friend of mine's husband committed suicide wow. uh, because he ran out of money. Wow. And he never told her. He never told her. He just killed himself. Wow. Swear to swear to God, this happened. And you're like, how did he not? F-? And she's the nicest gal. She's like, I'm right here. But he felt such shame and such emasculation from not handling the money well. And by the way, she'd been an investment banker, so she could have completely helped. I have to say, Sally, I mean, you've probably had all sorts of people in your life supporting you with an ex-husband whenever that happened who left and had that moment with your friend or not friend. But it's such a poignant, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And what a poignant reminder of how much everything in life can be temporary, even if our intentions are the best. And so, um, you know, there's so many different ways to invest and there's so much content out there to read. Do you have some favorite books for women who are looking to do that financial yeah. wellness checkup? And I love that you shared the percentages of where you're, you do budgeting. I think that that's so great. And anyone who's listening to this, I hope you rewind, write that down, consider it, obviously do what's best for you as you're listening. But mm-hmm. I find that really interesting. And 98%, I mean, that is a overwhelming, overwhelming. amount yeah, overwhelming. of people saying, you know, manage your money. Yeah, and right. I'm definitely guilty of that. I, I almost proudly claim that I'm not good at numbers, but I'm. Oh, not. see, you've been yeah. socialized so, as a white. So, Ashley, as a white woman, you have and I'm assuming that to be the yeah. case because white yeah. women, white women receive the message. It's cute to be bad with money. It's cute. Uh, it's cute. Like, you know, back when and I'm a, older than you are. But back when I was younger, sort of middle school, it was cute to be bad at sports. It was cute. Yeah. It was cute. And, and then like the patriarchy told us this. And so when I had a choice between cheerleading and volleyball, I mean, it was clear which way I was going. I was going cheerleading around. And we still receive that message um, that it's cute. And, and by the way, we also tend to receive the message as white women that you can do anything you, you want. Um, and a friend of mine, um, one of the most senior, probably the most senior black woman in financial services. So, you know, Sally, it's interesting because I grew up and my mom told me it was going to be hard the whole way. Mm. And so at least, I, you know, I, I, you know, the pay gap was larger, et cetera, but I didn't go through that, you know, where's the fairy tale moment that, that some women do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think subconsciously, I see this all the time in my community. I have a lot of really amazing, beautiful, hardworking friends that are creating a lot of results in their career. And deep down, they want the man to handle it anyway. 
And mm-hmm. I always try not, you know, to judge them because like, we're all just on our journey, doing our best, doing our, doing our best. Yep. Doing our best. And everybody comes from something different with money and with men and their dad and all these dynamics that we've had in our lives. Uh, but it really sat with me to see these women who have so much power, so much personal power, mm-hmm. um, kind of stepping back in this little area that sure. And, and by the way, I'm going to get to where to go for the content in a second, but, but women who, you know, won't buy a home yeah, because they sort of feel, you know, you, you start to tease it out. Well, why not? You're, you're renting, but you're, you know, but there's this great house down the street and it'll cost you the same. And then you're building equity potentially and blah, blah, blah. And it's sort of like, well, if I do that, then I've sort of admitted I'm not getting married. Mm-hmm. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, okay. Resources. So you did ask for a book. Um, I'm going to give you... I'm going to tell you something slightly different because we all learn in a slightly different way. Um, for some of us, it is reading. And at Elevest, if you go to, you know, our site and then you go to the magazine, you'll see, you know, a, books and books worth of articles that are there for you um, to help you learn about investing 101 or budgeting 101 or the real cost of a career break and, and how to really think about that all targeted towards women, um, non-binary individuals, understanding that the issues that we deal with around money um, can, you know, can be different than those for men. Um, we've really branched into career as well because of demand from our community. So we have all kinds of things on negotiating and how to get on a board and what to do with concentrated stock. So it really is from that first, you know, what we're trying to do with Ella Best is be, you know, there for her, all things money from college to crypt. And so from first dollar to millions of dollars. Um, in fact, you know, how to invest for impact. That is a huge, huge demand that our women have. On top of that, if you join Ella Best as a member, then you've got access to workshops, you know, down, downloadable workbooks, worksheets, um, you know, on everything from investing 101 or budgeting 101 again, because maybe you're, you're better listening, um, to also bringing couples together mm-hmm. and loving money, um, and working through how do you, how do you manage the money between the two of you? But, you know, what, and what we try to do is keep it all jargon free, not because women don't understand jargon, but because what we've learned is that men gloss over jargon and keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and women will be like, whoa, I got to, figure that out. Um, let me close this book or website page and go figure out the, what this word is. And then it, it, it puts up blockers for us that it really doesn't for men. Mm, fascinating. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, not using jargon is always good because jargon is also kind of boring. So I think that's oh. just an amazing oh, business it strategy. Keeps, it's, it keeps us at arm's length. Right. And no, and I don't think the industry means to do it, Yeah, but it just does. Yeah. And, um, you know, I also find that there's like different types of investing and different levels of risk. So for me, I grew up in a family that real estate is kind of the name of the game. So there's a lot of investing in real estate in my family. And that's what makes me feel safe, whether it's real or not, you know, safety is so perceived. Um, and then, you know, I have a lot of friends who are interested in crypto and Bitcoin. Is there anything you have to say about Bitcoin and that whole world? Because I know that it's so current right now and I'd love your opinion on it. Yeah, look, is there room in the world for, you know, a unified um, currency? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, we we have one. It's called gold. 
uh, but one that is digital and easily tradable and transferable? Sure, absolutely. Um, China doesn't seem to be in favor of it, which may keep it from being fully global, but there's room for it. Now, in terms of, and I'm doing little air quotes, investing in it, um, you don't know. It's, there, it's, you know, it's not trading on fundamentals now. When you buy a stock or you buy a bond, there's a company that underlies it. Um, there's a dividend stream. There's an earning stream. Um, there's a real business. There are revenues coming in. There's expenses going out. Um, of, of course, there's risk. It can go out of business. But there's something underneath it, what they call the fundamentals when you mm-hmm. buy it. And you and I, actually may disagree on the fundamentals. I think you know, Amazon is going to, you know, the stock is going to go to the sky and you're going to be like, ah, oh, I think Amazon is so overpriced. You know, it's so done, Sally. And that's okay. That's make, that makes a market, right? Um, and typically when, you know, at Elevest, we recommend um, and really only allow investing in a diversified investment portfolio. It'll go up, it'll go down. Historically, it's gone up more than down. The chances of it going to zero, let's just say if it did, a diversified investment portfolio with lots of different stocks and bonds, We'll have more, bigger things to worry about, quite frankly, than that your investment portfolio went to zero if that happens. With crypto, with some of the meme stocks, there are no underlying fundamentals. The only bet you're making is, you know, a bet, a gamble, what someone else will be willing to pay for it in the future. Mm-hmm. That's because right now the market is not fully established, which currency is it going to be, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So just to be clear, if you put your money in crypto today, you are trading. You are not investing. You are making a bet. I might go so far as to say you're gambling. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Just that should not be your retirement income. And just by the way, because of the fact that somebody made money on it and you heard about it at a cocktail party doesn't mean, you know, you're wrong not to be in it. You should only be in it to the extent you can lose 100% of the money that you put in it Mm -hmm. and that if you enjoy it. But And then what I would say is, not, you know, I don't know about you, Ashley. I do not know anybody who traded their way to a comfortable retirement. Nobody. Wow. Okay. So I would love to hear some insight from you on what do you think the most successful investors are investing in? Oh, what is their mindset? I would see, love this, this is what's so great because there are so few things in life where do less to have more. Yes. Um, do less to have more. So I said, I don't know anyone who's traded their way to a comfortable retirement. You and I know a lot of people who have invested their way to a comfortable retirement. And by investing, what's the difference? You put your money in a diversified investment portfolio. It's stocks, it's bonds, maybe it's some real estate. You know, if you've got greater wealth, maybe it's an alternative investment, you know, where you're investing in housing or, you know, we've got one we looked at water, but it's across a range of different kinds of investments. You invest, you do it for the long term. Ideally, you put a little bit out of every paycheck. It has not historically been as risky as we have been socialized to believe. What do I mean by that? So for younger folks, you know, the majority of their investment portfolio should be in stocks, otherwise known as equity. Um, You know, sort of an S&P 500, which is a a collection of, of 500 of the top. Um, stocks in, you know, in the, on the stock market. If you had invested in the stock market any day since the 1920s, any day. So a good day, a bad day, a day before war was declared, a day before our market crash. 
If you had left that money in there for 15 years, your chances of a positive return over that period of time were 99%. If you had invested a bit out of every paycheck, which again is what we, 90% of our Elevestors do, your chances of a positive return were 100%. Okay. So, you know, diversification, of course, low cost. You always want to keep an eye on cost. You know, this is one where, you know, when you buy a purse, the more expensive the purse is, the better the purse is. Investing is the exact opposite. You want to keep costs low mm-hmm. um, because that's a certainty, right? You know, the money's coming out of the account. Um, and so then you just want to just want to let it let it grow. Just mm-hmm. let it grow. And then in tough markets, you want to honestly not look. Mm-hmm. Do not look, you know, because if you do, you just get upset and might do something. Um, and in fact, in the pandemic related downturn, which is now ancient history, but was freak, people were freaking out. Um, there were, um, record amounts of money pulled from mutual funds and ETFs, which are investment vehicles. Um, they found out it was, it was the men, the men, they freaked out. Women stood, stood firm, but men kept looking and worrying and they freaked out and they pulled their money out, um, and then later put it back in. Wow. Okay. So interesting. Um, and as far as, you know, anything else that I haven't asked you as we're just closing out, is there something that you can share as like the best advice you've ever gotten or, um, maybe something about money that I haven't asked you yet? Um, well, look, I'd say something that we all know, which is in our society, money is power. Mm. Um, and I do believe that if, the founding fathers had gotten together a couple hundred years ago more and uh, said, how do we keep women from having full power? They would have said, let's keep, let's make them think they're bad with money or think of it's tacky to want money or think, think it's too aggressive to negotiate for more money. Let's make it a topic of shame. So they don't talk to each other about it. So they don't compare notes and understand if they're underpaid or they're leaving too much of their money in cash. Um, and we all know this, right? We all know it's a, a form of power. Um, and not, you know, not a single one of us wants to live a smaller life than our brother lives. Or, and for sure, nobody wants their daughter to live a smaller life than their son. So what we're talking about when we talk about money is fundamentally power. Mm-hmm. Um, and keep, you know, and, and it's important for all of us to equip ourselves with the knowledge and information to begin to you know, get our budget in order, get our credit cards paid off, um, get ourselves investing, get ourselves, you know, primed for that raise um, so that, you know, if and when we need to, we can leave the person who we're in a relationship with who's no longer kind. We can quit the job with the boss who's a snarkhead. Mm-hmm. Um, we can buy the, the house, the beach house we're dying to buy. You know, we could buy the dress we're dying to buy. You know, all of these things sort of ladder up to each other. And by the way, while money doesn't buy happiness, it it does buy wellness. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the physical wellness, the emotional wellness, all of that ladders from getting ourselves into a place where we feel good financially, where we have a degree of financial wellness. I love this. And I know that I've heard so many times that the people who have the most money didn't directly earn that money, they invested it. And so it's such a good Reminder that no matter how much money you're making when you're listening to this, if you are in the mindset that you need to earn more to succeed financially, you're missing the truth here, which is it sounds to me 
Like it's not about how much you make. It's about how much you invest, how much you're willing to educate yourself, how much you're willing to manage money versus make and earn it, which is so powerful, Sally. I'm so grateful for you coming. Where can everyone learn more? And get the, I know you talked about your blog over at Elevest. Yeah. Would love well, to visit us. Either download the app. Um, actually, by the way, we are the um, a third party said we are the only quote unquote fintech app that has majority women who download. Um, most of them, it's majority men. So we are the only one that was built by women for women. So download the app or come over and visit us at um, elevest.com, E-L-L-E-V-E-S-T.com. Okay, wonderful. Thank you again for coming on to the show. Yeah, my pleasure. What fun. Great to, great to speak with you. What's going on, U-Turn friends? It's Ashley here. I realize I've been doing this podcast for years and I almost never talk about my ghostwriting and publicity company called Cake Publishing. We have some of the best writers I know writing New York Times bestselling books, writing wording for people's websites, emails, and so much more, as well as publicists who are incredible at getting you on television, whether it's Good Morning America, Today Show, or your local news, and we want to support you. We have been helping influencers, companies, and charities get their words and message out into the world, and we are so inspired by it. So if for some reason, you're a business owner or you work with a company that needs a ghostwriter for any reason, a speechwriter, or a publicist to get you out there into the world, head on over to Cake Publishing. Dot com that's c a k e publishing.com or you can shoot me an email at ashley at cakepublishing.com thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.